Welcome to D&D Roundtable, your premier source for D&D news. We cover everything D&D from Wizards of the Coast. We cover updates from the convention circuit. We cover new and exciting products, cast and streams, and events for D&D. We cover happenings in organized play. If it's D&D related, we cover it here. Industrious Ferret is by Kevin McLeod at Incomptech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Hey, we'd really appreciate it if you dropped us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks. There are a lot of subscription services out there that deliver things right to your door these days. Veggies, movies, meat pet toys, artisanal jams, collectibles, RPGs, pictures of cool places, music, butter, dice. Wait, what? There is literally only one thing on that list that would make my life complete. A monthly subscription service for dice? Dice Envy has subscription services for dice. They send you a unique set every single month right to your house. Go check out their subscriptions. Or, if you just want to go buy some of their unique and interesting dice, head over to DiceEnvy.com and let them know that the Tome Show sent you. Support for the Tome Show comes from Noble Knight. From Noble Knight. Noble Knight? Knight? Thousands of tabletop gamers use a Noble Knight to sell new and out-of-print games and products at a discounted price. Noble Knight will also buy back the game products you aren't using anymore. NobleKnight.com, the brick-and-mortar online store where out-of-print is available again. Tell them the Tome Show sent you. I use Noble Knight. You do? I love it. Welcome to this episode of The Roundtable, and today we have some very special guests on uh, to talk about something that is near and dear to our Owning a game store, which is the lifeblood of the community. Um, today, we have um, three of our very good friends and very awesome store owners who open up their spaces. Stephen Hurst, the owner of Level Up Games and Hobbies in Knoxville, Tennessee. Jesse Swinton, the owner of Zeege Games in Novi, Michigan. Howell. 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 Ah, close enough. Uh, and Corey Weiss, the owner of Heroic Gaming in Atlanta, Georgia. Or close enough to there. Anyways, um, so uh, without further ado, I'm going to kind of get into it and uh, have lo- a lovely discussion with him, hopefully. So we'll start with our get to know you question, which is, as a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Because it's very likely that it wasn't a game store owner. Um, let's see. How about Corey? Let's start with you. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, yeah. I couldn't have gotten further from where I ended. Um, I started off wanting to be an architect. I did drafting, 
uh, AutoCAD, a little bit of everything. Fortunately enough, it came into play when I designed the store that uh, we built. So helped out. Yeah, and it's a pretty cool space that you've got there too. So, um, you know, it all works out in the end. Uh, let's see. So, Jesse, why don't you tell us uh, about yourself and what you wanted to be? Uh, sure. So, uh, I guess I remember for a long time I really wanted to be a zookeeper because I thought that like all the animals in the zoo were super awesome. And then I realized that being a zookeeper meant I had to be good at science and math. And I kind of got discouraged from that. And I very quickly morphed over to wanting to be a writer. And I do a little bit of that along with owning the store. So I guess it all works out. Oh, yeah. And being a uh, writer is probably something that uh, a lot of people in the community dabble in as well. I know Paige and I do. And uh, honestly, the difference between a zookeeper and a game store owner is largely like... Yeah, you are you are kind of right there. You're definitely onto something there. <laughs> You're a herder of cats and a uh, coreller of monkeys and pretty much everything, really. Um, well, Stephen, that brings us to you. Um, what did you want to be? In- oh. uh, I wanted to, so uh, I wanted to be a chemist for a while. And then the, the whole math science thing got me, and then I transi- transitioned over to journalism and electronic media, but I couldn't quite hoof it over there either. So <laughs> I opened a game store instead. Yeah, the science and the math and mostly the math thing got me too, but I ended up in a place that I liked. So like I said, all work. Well, what what, what did you want to be when you grew up, Jenny? What did I want to be? I <laughs> wanted to be a rocket scientist. <laughs> Oh, I actually started out aerospace engineering with honors, and then calculus happened. Wow. Well, calculus, te- Calcul- calculus, calculus is a thing. Calculus teachers happened. I'm actually, <clears throat> I'm actually pretty good at calculus. Um, but, you know, scholarships were a thing, and I actually loved the degree that I ended up with. Uh, supply chain management, which, you know, uh, is a lot like herding animals as well. <laughs> All right. It all it all blends together, huh? Yeah, I mean, really, it's all just part of life. Uh, I've I've wanted to be a marine biologist since I was eight years old, and uh, I I never wavered. <laughs> Sometimes you get to study things from the ocean. Yeah, I do. I do. I am I am still absolutely a working marine biologist. So yeah, yeah. Um. All right. So I guess we'll probably just start at the beginning. Like, how did it start, and how did you end up owning a, a game store? Um, who wants to go first? Because this is a question that so many people listening to this podcast are going to be like, I need to take notes on this stuff, man, because you guys are kind of living the dream, so the people are, are definitely going to be super interested on how you got there. Uh, I'll go first, if, uh, if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, the, the way I got into it, actually, is that another game store was going out of business. So something people may or may not be aware of is that there's a pretty high uh, failure rate of game stores, just in general, for uh, a lot of different reasons. But um, there was a there was a, a game store going out, a chain of game stores going out uh, in my area, and I happened to be working for that chain while when it was going out part-time. And so when that came about, I kind of realized that that was an opportunity to fill that space. 
and I dove in head first and didn't look back. And uh, opened up a store in Seymour first, and then opened a second store in Knoxville, and then gradually just moved everything to the store in Knoxville. And here we are. So you you kind of inherited it. Almost, almost inherited it, yeah. And I think that happens a lot, too, is um, uh, an owner or or something will decide that's not what they want to do anymore or any number of reasons decide to kind of, like, sell it. And then um, someone else will kind of move in and take the place. The way, the way I kind of acquired um, the resources needed to open the store, though, was because the previous owner filed for chapter 11 bankruptcy and then went into chapter seven bankruptcy where uh, a third party began to liquidate his assets at which point i like put in a bid to buy some and then use that to open my store huh that's really interesting mm-hmm. that's, uh, i thought hadn't thought about it that way but yeah i guess that would do it one way yep. to get your fixtures on the cheap that is yeah i mean and if it's uh if it there's businesses going out of business all the time, actually. Um, what what just was it? Kmart, I think, was going out uh, a few years back, and they were selling all kinds of fixtures that were really helpful. And um, uh, who was it? It was um, anyway. There's people you know, like larger stores got out of business, and it's a really good way to get fixtures if you don't want to buy them brand new. Although buying them brand new is uh, looking back, I kind of wish I'd bought some of my stuff brand new. So there's there's merit to that as well. I remember when JC Penny went out, they had mannequins on sale, and I got a I got a big regret for not getting a mannequin for a, a dress form base. All right, <laughs> but uh, anyways, uh, who else wants to? I'll go next. So it was what what got me into owning a game store, right? How did I get here? Yes. How did you go from from I'm going to be a zookeeper to I now run Siege Games? So uh, I definitely like the zookeeper thing was definitely as like a, a wee child that was abandoned pretty early on after didn't take very long for me to figure out how much science and math was involved in that. And uh, for a long time, I wanted to be a writer. And that was definitely more the focus. Um, but after a couple of years of graduating high school, going to college, um, doing some business classes, I finally figured out, I was like, you know what? I feel like I could uh, take my hobby uh, to the next level. And that's sort of what I did. I sort of morphed my gaming hobby into just more than my hobby, more, into my livelihood, basically. And uh, I got my girlfriend involved and she's helping me out. And we're both uh, the owners. And that's really it. It was kind of like we were both like one day, like, you know what? We should we should take our hobby to the next level and stop working these minimum wage jobs and like, you know, be our own bosses and we could totally do this. And I, I, we are still surviving today. Uh, so there's that. <laughs> and that is pretty inspiring. All right, Corey, tell us your story. And we've, we've got the spectrum of stories. Okay. Um, Many of the listeners, they would not know me, but I actually have three kids, um, 11, 13, and 15. So this happened many years ago when Heroic Gaming wasn't even an idea. But we have a lot of stores in the Roswell area. I'm not going to name which one, but I took my then six-year-old daughter through and uh, was like, hey, here is Nerdvana. Here are things going on. I would love to introduce you to all of these things. Um, And the unfortunate part was 
everywhere she went, there was this little bubble of there's a little girl in the game store. And it was uncomfortable to the point where she was like, Daddy, can we please go? I was like, holy cow, this is not exactly what I anticipated. So got to talking and I said, you know what? There really isn't a game store that caters for kids. I mean, there's stores in the Atlanta area that are amazing at taking care of families and kids. And I don't want to knock on them at all. Um, but I wanted one that was specific to that. Um, it's always PG. It's always inclusive. It doesn't matter anything about who, what, when, where, sexual orientation, you know, race, creed, color. doesn't doesn't matter just as long as you enjoy playing games. Um, and that's where it came from. So Heroic Gaming exists thanks to my then six-year-old daughter. Aw, that, that is so sweet. Well, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people uh, thank her then. From... Oh, but never play her in a dice game ever <laughs> under any circumstances. Is she good at it or is she cheat? Oh, she's incredible. The, the people in the store call her the dice whisperer. <laughs> I need to borrow her and let her talk to my dice then. She's the one who blew on the charity dice from two years ago and ruined it. Um, now it rolls nothing but 20s. That, that's a pretty good superpower to have, though, on the list of superpowers. Yeah, no, agreed. Uh, so this is a D&D podcast in general. So tell us like, kind of how D&D factors into your store. Like um, Adventures League, special events. Um, I mean, whatever, whatever it is that, you know. But what is the life of your store like? What goes on? Yeah. Jesse, you want to go first? Sure. I hear so, yours is awesome. Yeah. No, I mean, I think mine's pretty cool. You know, I like to think so. Um, so D&D is easily the biggest community my store hosts. Uh, we run Adventures League three days a week, and then we have, like, an open RPG, like, homebrew night where you can, like, meet up with people who are looking to play non-AL games and coordinate and play, and we, like, dedicate our RPG tables for that. Um we do lots of special events. So we do every year. We do an extra life event like lots of other stores do. Um, we just recently, we got to actually run the open, the season eight open for our event uh, just about a month ago. So that was pretty cool. Uh, we had a lot of fun running that. And then we do a, a con in March. And that's probably why you were thinking Novi earlier is because uh, the convention ZegeCon is in Novi uh, at the Sheraton Detroit Hotel. That's what you were thinking oh. of. That's it. Um, not crazy. So, yeah, no, you're not crazy. You're not crazy. But yeah, and then like, you know, anytime uh, because we're an official Wizards of the Coast, uh, you know, game store, uh, sanctioned store, we get to host like the uh, special preview adventures whenever a new book comes out. Um, and we like to do like midnight releases and we'll run the new adventures. So anything you, and everything. Have you sorry, run Krenko's Way? Um, I have not had the opportunity to. Uh, we did run it at the store. Yeah. Um, it was an interesting, we had like people interested. We actually didn't get anyone behind playing it. Um, mm -hmm. But the other thing is that that weekend was also, there was a lot of uh, conventions going on. That was Game Hole Con weekend. Um, oh, we had a local right. one. UConn was in Ann Arbor. Uh, so we had a lot of local events going on. So I think that kind of drew it away. And the other thing is, um, and I'm sure everybody else would agree with me, uh, the adventure was not AL legal. Uh, I think that in itself sort of turned people off playing it because there was no, to them, there yeah. was no tangible reward, you know? So, 
But uh, yeah, we do lots of fun AL stuff, and we're always looking to do stuff. And we partner up with uh, local uh, charities, like you guys know, like uh, Fenway and Aaron do Jasper's Game Day, and we host the Jasper's Game Day in our store. Uh, lots of other stuff. Anything we can do, basically, that's D&D related, we want to run it. <laughs> Which is interesting because I think the stores. I, I'm interesting to see how uh, Steve and Corey answer this question because I feel like they will have a very different customer base or activity base than you do. Who wants to go next? I'll go. All right, tell us about it. Yeah, so I mean, I can agree with that. I think every store is different. Um, we do. We did our first uh, extra life event, I think, just this year, and it went really well. We really enjoyed it. But D and D has been, it kind of slowly grew at our store. And uh, now I think we host we host Dungeons & Dragons games, Adventure League games, uh, every Monday and every Wednesday and every Thursday. And then there's a, there's a few more games that meet on and off throughout the week if there's, if there's table space. And that's kind of the, big, the, the, uh, the biggest share of what we host Dungeons & Dragons-wise is Adventures League. Uh, I've talked to Bobby, I've talked to like the other guys that work here a few times about opening up the the table space for for home games, but running Adventures League for us at least is kind of like it's the easiest way to get people into it because it is a this is the this is the rule set and this is what you use and uh, and we promise it will be this, you know. It's it's a lot easier to set the expectation. But yeah, uh, we host it. We host uh, a lot of games throughout the evenings, and um, and like I said, it's been growing. So it's it's gone from uh, something that we only dedicated a small amount of our play space to, and a small amount of our like the product selection that we carry to a much a much bigger thing. Like we're we're always looking for more people to complete D and D at the store. We're always looking for more products to carry for. Uh, people who play Dungeons and Dragons, so that's been that's been a really welcome uh, change over the past couple years, especially. So, compare your Dungeons and Dragons activity to like Magic or card games or board games. What else? Oh, absolutely. Um, so we run uh, we run a lot of Magic the Gathering at our store. I'd say that's probably the largest thing that we do here so we we do for of course we do friday magic we're a wizards play network store we do uh modern night where they play the modern format and the draft format and things like that so we host a lot of magic gathering tournaments and uh preliminary pro tour qualifiers although they are changing the rules on us as far as what those are so we do a lot of that um we do a lot of dungeons and dragons as i'd say were would be our two biggest things we also do a little bit of the uh Pathfinder role-playing game, and we uh, are actually, we do a little bit of Hearthstone as well. We have a local kind of Hearthstone chapter that comes and uses our space from time to time, and we're actually doing a pre-release for the new Hearthstone set that's coming out. Yeah, you're on the website for them. It's pretty neat. Yeah, it's really exciting. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so, uh, Corey, I think... For your store, it's a little bit different, and D&D is a little bit of a bigger role there, right? It is. In role-play in general, I, I just did some quick math, and we now have 10 different role-play games that we play in the store, from you know one group of you know five uh, all the way up to Adventurous League's Night, which is... Uh, it varies, but 
generally it's in the 20s to 30s. Um, so it, it, it's a good mix. Uh, let's see, Tuesday nights, we generally do hardcovers. Uh, Wednesday is Homebrew, Thursday is Adventures League. And the first Saturday of every month is our, you know, big D and D event, letting people get in. Um, the the extra life charities, which Jesse mentioned, uh, very important to me. Um, I was one of those kids, and if you haven't figured out what extra life is, please, as a listener, do yourself a favor, go look this charity up. It's amazing. Um, we support them wholeheartedly. We do two events a year, usually in May and usually in November. Um, but this time, um, just shameless plug, um, our Extra Life Charity event is coming up on the 7th and 8th. It's Friday and Saturday of December. Um, the first time we did Extra Life, it was like, I don't know, $800. And I was super stoked. Everything was fantastic. And then it went to like 1800 Then it jumped up again. So um, our, our highest donation to extra life so far has been fifty seven hundred dollars no fifty two hundred and then this last time was thirty seven hundred dollars so that's wow. a massive amount of donation yeah no yeah. that's crazy good I, i'm super proud of our community because that's the one thing that we we strive to achieve is a cohesive community of individuals coming in uh, sort of doing the greater good so to speak um really giving back to community um you know, we had people like one of our one of our players, really really cool guy, Jeremy. Um, he was actually on the phone, like calling people in other states and arranging donations, and you know dealing with stuff like that. Just not no benefit to him whatsoever, other than just being really cool and really chill. Um, so uh, to sort of circle back to the question, um, D and D is a huge part of our store culture, uh, role play in general. Um, you know, everything from, you know, no thank you evil, you know, a kid's game, kids focused RPG. Um, we have kids tables for D&D and all these other events. Uh, it, it's very important for us because those skill sets are very hard to teach nowadays and they're huge benefit to kids. So, you know, we, we try to make sure that that opportunity is for everybody in the area. Um, and right now I would say uh, even with the uptick that we've had in Magic the Gathering, and some of the other games like Keyforge, which is really big right now, um, our D&D culture, uh, our D&D groups still outweigh the rest of our events probably. Um, I, I would say a, an extra third, uh, almost a, you know, twice. So it, it's, it's really fortunate for where, we're, are, where we are as a store and, and what we're trying to do. Yeah. No, you guys do absolutely amazing work down there and that's one thing that I've noticed pretty much everywhere that the D&D community and role-playing community in general they are very generous in in giving back to the community Um, I mean well just that's a you know a good story to follow but (laughs) how about you tell us uh, how does the D&D you know kind of factor in in comparison to like other things yours it's a big big part of your store as well uh, yeah, it really is. Uh, like we were ta- you were just talking about the Extra Life Charities. Um, like I said, we do our event. Uh, we did ours last month. And um, 
you know, that is a huge thing. It's like, it's really funny watching these people come in and they literally co- go to the bank before they come to our events and they come in with wa- wads of singles to do re-rolls. And we always have uh, charity benefit tables um, and raffle tables. And we, we have cool things like certs and um, like the racial certs. And now with the uh, limited edition cover books, you know, that they're releasing, we always try to put a couple of those aside for that. And yeah, it's, it's really amazing how the D&D community can come together to raise money for such a good cause. And especially because your Extra Life uh, event will filter down to a local charity that you choose. And so like we do a local children's hospital. So it's cool because we get to know that that money like goes somewhere local and affects like people's lives directly that we we see. Um, and then, yeah, basically anything we can do, you know, right now, I actually just yesterday had a couple conversations. We're in the middle of sponsoring a couple of different D&D uh, clubs at high schools in the area. Um, and just anything we can do to help, uh, you know, during the holiday season, we do fundraisers and we donate. Uh, we use our special events to help out the community in any way we can. So it's a good time. And uh, time and time again, the people that play have shown off how generous they can be and it's just really cool knowing that all those people come and hang out with us and you know that we all come together and we can change people's lives like that gosh it's 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 so great i was um recently at gamehole con and i think you you were too jesse and Paige as well and we saw um just how generous people were there i think over eight thousand dollars just from the adventurers league hall was raised for extra life so it's just really touching i think Paige, do you have a question you want to i do i do so uh obviously our listeners uh only a very small portion of them will have the great good fortune to actually see the inside of all three of these stores, uh, Heroic Gaming, Siege Games, and Level Up Games. Can you tell us a little bit about what your game store looks like? When I walk in, what do I see? What's the first thing my eyes land on, and why did you choose it to be that way? I'll go ahead if you don't mind. Sure. Um, because I had, like, the first question was, you know, your your childhood dream was architecture i did the layout and design uh floorplanner.com and all these different you know websites um so i put a lot of effort into making uh the store front uh sort of like a living room with merchandise um it's it's carpeted there's comfortable chairs uh the tables are nice and i really wanted to make sure that um anybody that walked through the door um you know, I, I've joked about this before, but we probably spend several hundred dollars a year just making the store smell nice, you know, um, making sure that all the things are together. It, it feels very much like somebody's living room. Um, I, when I invite you to my, my store, I feel like I'm inviting you to my home because, first of all, I spend more time there than I do anywhere else in this world. Um, but second of all, uh, it's very much a piece of me inside that building, um, a piece of my wife, my, my children, my friends. It's, it's that kind of, uh, cheers kind of aspect. Um, everybody knows your name and we want to wait, make you feel like this is your place too. Um, a whole inclusive attitude. So, um, the layout of the store you know there's tables in the center there's merchandise along the walls and then we have two private rooms in the back where we can run special events uh birthday parties uh you know private 
RP games, what have you. Um, and then uh, sort of center of the building off to a wall is uh, technically it's a kitchenette. Um, but uh, we do food services out of that small kitchen, you know, just small stuff like pizza, hot dogs, stuff like that. Um, but, you know, very much like an open floor plan, you know, apartment, you know, welcome to my home. Neat. And that's a good way to do it. Cause I mean, the, the homes are kind of where the traditional place where games are played. Like most people learn how to play games with their family. So uh, having it look like your home is, is a cool design choice. Steven, what about Level Up Games? I, I have not actually been there, so I don't know what the inside of the store looks like. So what, what would I see when I walked in? Absolutely. So uh, Level Up is uh, actually two separate storefronts split, uh, split in half, essentially. So we have our retail space and we have our gaming space. So on the retail side, when you walk in, we have our cash register on the right, I think, um, where we keep all of our magic singles. And then... Uh, in bookshelves in kind of the center of the store, we have all of our uh, role-playing game stuff. And uh, then over to the left of that, we have a big wall of miniatures. And then next to the miniatures, we have all of our board games. So you can kind of go, we try to, we, we tr- uh, try to utilize the space and, and separate everything off um, in such a way so that everything kind of had its own section. Although I say this now, and we're actually, what is today, Tuesday? We're actually going to be rearranging the whole store uh, all day Thursday. So we'll all look different. We're going to try it. We have the cash register on the side, and we're going to move it to the very back of the store to try to open the space up a little bit. Um, Because we can't leave the dang thing alone and not rearrange it once every six months or so. I think I think you've been like eight months this time. Yeah, no, I'm really proud of everyone. They they've moved around some things, you know, in between now and then. But yeah, I'm proud that it, it managed to stay the same for about eight months. But it's it's time to change it again. And then uh, so over, why why do you change it every every so often? Uh, it, it, because because we can't. There's no real good reason. I don't have a good reason for you, Paige. We just we just move it around. Um, a lot of it is is that we like we wanna we want to diversify the products that we carry, and um, our retail space is only about thirteen hundred square feet or so. It's not huge, and so a lot of times you have to get creative with the way you lo- use that space. And um, a lot of times, I mean, using D and D as an example, like sometimes a um, you know one of the product selections that you have grows. And you need more space for that product. And so then things kind of get mushed around and bleed into each other. So you have to kind of rearrange so you can re-separate uh, everything out. I think he just gets tired of sitting in the same spot every day. So he wants to try a new spot. <laughs> that, and that, that's very possible. And then uh, I think Corey brought up a good point too uh, via text, which is moving things around kind of like, uh, is a good way to remind your customer base that other things exist in the store. So I think that's an added benefit. Although um, I don't know if that we're not that smart, Corey. <laughs> we're uh, we're just restless, I suppose. But yeah, and works like. apparently. Yeah, hopefully. All right, uh, Jesse. What about Siege Games? My store, right? Uh, so we're actually in our second location. 
Um, after about eight months in our original location, we had uh, just under 2,000 square feet originally. Very quickly, we realized that we could not uh, continue to sustain the demand for our table space in the small space we had. So we upgraded um, and the location we're in now is actually, it used to be a uh, public library. Um, so it's, uh, it, it was when we came in, you know, the floor plan they had was very open. Uh, two of our main walls are actually uh, floor to ceiling glass, like tinted glass um, that kind of let you look out. Um, so the whole space is very open. It's very bright, lots of natural light. Um, or I guess this time of year, uh, lots of natural darkness. <laughs> um, but other than that, like all of our merchandise, we kind of have off to the side, uh, along with our register and our singles uh, selection. And we have like a very definitive split between our play space and our retail space. Um, and then we also have a uh, private room. The library used to use it as like a classroom for uh, groups. Um, we just rented out um Anyone could come in if they want to have a private space to run their game out of their house. Or uh, we have groups that come in and we host birthday parties. We have uh, local uh, groups come in and host like their monthly like club meetings. So that room gets a lot of different community use uh, outside of just gaming. But we also utilize it mostly on Friday nights because uh, we also run, you know, Friday Night Magic. And we get, you know, a decent amount. We get about 20 to 25 people in to play that. But then we also have usually six to eight tables of Adventures League going on Friday nights. So we open up that back room to sort of, uh, you know, spread the, the noise pollution out a little bit. And also to make sure we have enough seats for everybody. So uh, it's, it's a good time. But yeah, other than that, we have, uh, you know, our play space. We just upgraded all of our chairs to fancy new cushion chairs that we're very excited about. Uh, so our play space is pretty accessible and it, we very much so pride ourselves in having a very large gap between rows. Uh, sometimes you go to a game store and they like just want to cram everybody in and we like to spread it all out and give people like actual space to walk around, but we still can see about a hundred people even despite that. So we're pretty happy about our current layout, but we are getting a little bit restless. We've been in this location for about a year, so I would expect us to start moving stuff around sometime soon, too. So I guess we'll see. <laughs> and this must just be a, a, a thing. Uh, I, too, rearrange stuff. <laughs> it just it makes everything it's like when you get like a haircut, it just makes everything feel fresh and you can like look at it from a new perspective. And it doesn't it, it might not make a ton of sense. But like, honestly, it's like, oh, it's like if I move like. The retail over here and I add like a little extra play space here it's like it might be you know a half an hour of effort but all of a sudden it just opens your eyes in some bizarre weird way and everything all of a sudden makes sense for five short minutes so I don't know man but it is it is fun it's not limited to the store either I definitely like moving furniture around my house too so <laughs> that could have something to do with it yeah so while we're kind of on the subject of making our stores m more inviting by moving stuff around or planning out our feng shui or so whatever it is we're doing. Uh, Paige and I kind of have a focus here on the show of talking about diversity and inclusion. So how do you make your store more inviting to uh, women, to people of color, to LGBT folks, to um, people who aren't your stereotypical uh, white heterosexual male gamer demographic now of course you know obviously that demographic is changing every day but how do you make your store in particular um you know open and welcoming to them i'll go first on this one all right steven 
The way we do it is we kind of have a just a baseline policy of uh, treating everyone very equally and and making sure to uh, to treat people as they would like to be treated. So um, a lot of times within different communities and stuff like that, uh, you know, there's different groups, there's different cliques and things like that that especially happens in, in Magic the Gathering and stuff. And it's a little bit of a challenge to police that with us being in one place and our, our play space being kind of like a little bit separated from us. But uh, one of the things we make very clear to all of our players and, you know, something that we, we remind everybody of is, you know, you're all here to, uh, I think Corey mentioned this earlier, you know, everyone's welcome as long as you're, is, you know, if you're here to enjoy games, you know. Um, and so that's that's kind of our baseline policy is just, it doesn't matter who you are um, or what you look like or, or, you know, your creed or what you believe or anything like that. You know, if you're here to enjoy Dungeons and Dragons or Magic the Gathering, or, or any of the games that we kind of have here, then you're you're more than welcome. And then the other thing that we also kind of uh, try to do along with that is um, try to to make things more accessible to people and um, kind of go out of our way, even if it's just a little bit, to to make people feel comfortable. Whether that's kind of like checking to make sure that there's enough seating for people, or if there's like accessible seating for somebody who, who needs it if they're in a wheelchair or something like that will go out of our way to kind of like um, uh, make sure that they are comfortable and that's kind of that's kind of just our, our go-to is and most of our players kind of have adopted that too is just like everyone is welcome to play and kind of you know if you're here to play magic or you're here to play Dungeons and Dragons that's what you know everybody else is here for too so you're just you're part of the group and that's kind of our our main way of of making sure that it's open. We're, we also go over our way to like invite people too. Um, we, I, I have a policy of greeting everyone that comes into the door and I, I tell my employees to do the same uh, because a lot of people, they don't get noticed when they come in and then if they don't get noticed, they don't feel welcome. And so we'll kind of like try to draw people out and say, well, what do you play? What do you like? And Hey, you should come play with us. We would love to have you. And we do that to everybody. That, that comes in. We try to greet them and encourage them to come and be part of our community. You mean if I came in the door and didn't greet Josiah, he'd have to greet me? <laughs> Josiah is a different bird. But yeah, no, he, sh he probably would. Um, part, the, way, the way Josiah includes, includes everyone, I think, is unique. Because if he, think, if, he, if he thinks that you can take a little bit of teasing, that's how he includes you. Is is that he will he'll treat you just like he treats everybody else because he he's an edge lord, but um, but yeah that that is his way of including people. Oh. <laughs> it's his disdain for humanity. <laughs> or Paige, sorry. Yeah, so you mentioned uh, that everybody is welcome and you make sure people are welcomed when they show up. Do you? Yeah. Do you have like this posted publicly in your store or is it just an unspoken policy or do you actually like pull your employees aside and say, Hey, this is, this is a thing. I'd say it's a frequently spoken policy. I, I remind everyone of it uh, pretty frequently, like often on Friday night magic, that's where you get the, the mix, the most mix of people you get, you know, just everyone, you know, young kids, old people, like, you know, everybody from every side and direction you can think of. We also have posted in our play space a code of conduct that Wizards of the Coast sent us, which 
I really appreciate because that's coming from a respected company in in kind of like the gaming community. And that way it doesn't seem like I'm picking on anyone by telling everybody they have to be nice. So we also have a posted kind of rule set or the uh, the code of conduct uh, that was the code sent out, which we yeah, really appreciate. That's the new new one that they just sent out? It was for uh, Magic? Uh, yeah, but it, it's for everything. I mean, it applies to everything. Yeah, it applies to everything. It doesn't... I don't even think it specifically names Magic the Gathering. It has the Wizards of the Coast logo on it, I think. Yeah. If I remember correctly. That's what I was thinking. It just says Wizards of the Coast. Yeah. So we have that posted. And then, you know, um, pretty much any time I'll... Especially if, uh, if players... If players are become regulars and stuff like that, then a lot of times I'll try to recruit them to just the cause of saying, hey, I want you, I wanted to let you know, like, you've been really friendly here, you've been friendly to players and stuff like that, and I really appreciate that because that's what we're about. Like, we want people to get in the game, we want this to be kind of like a community hub, a place that welcomes everybody in, and that's kind of, that's the way we do, we're big on word of mouth, um, for sure, but we do have a written policy of everyone needs to respect everyone when they're here and stuff like that. Okay, well that's pretty interesting. And it sounds like it's working uh, from what I've heard of your store. Yes, uh, absolutely. I'm like, actually, I'm always blown away by how much diversity we have uh, here in Tennessee. And it's, I'm always like really proud of it too. I think, I think we probably have some of the most diverse uh, play groups in the Knoxville area, I do believe. And, um, that shows, actually, I remember uh, sending a message off to Cards Against Humanity, trying to get them to uh, spill the beans about doing a distribution program, which they never did, by the way. So Cards Against Humanity, if you're listening, please sell the distributors or directly to, to game stores. But they they messaged <laughs> me back and um, mentioned that they were impressed with, they like stocked us on Facebook and they're like, wow, you know, like we noticed that you have a, a pretty solid mix of people at your store and it's not just monochrome, so... That was that was nice to hear from an outsider, but but yeah, it it, it does work. Um, you know, it, and it does require like I think it requires conscious management on on the side of the people working at the store. But uh, we've been pretty successful so far. You know, I think that's a a, a good point, um, Jesse. Uh, what about your store? So uh, we definitely also got that poster from Wizards of their like policy on how they expect people to treat each other. And we have that posted up right under our uh, register. So if you come to the register, you see it. But we also have a like an announcement board uh, right when you walk in. And we have like a little short code of conduct that uh, myself and my partner, Sarah, came up with. And it's basically like, you know, treat others like you want to be treated. Be nice. And, you know. Just like we're here to have fun. Remember that at the end of the day that we're all here to just have fun. And, you know, we really focus on trying to be uh, there's this concept called third space. Um, and we focus on trying to emulate that third space mentality. And basically what that means is you have like, you know, your you have your home, uh, you have your work, but then you should have somewhere where you can go out and like be yourself. And that's what we try to focus on. We have a lot of people that come in. You know, they'll just hang out. You know, our events, 
you know, for D&D specifically. Our event doesn't start until usually uh, the evening about 6 p.m. A lot of people that come in at 2 or 3 o'clock and they just hang out. They hang out with each other and they, they talk character concepts. They talk about adventures they've played. And we're really excited that we're able to offer an environment that these types of people, like some of these people maybe wouldn't have met each other otherwise, but through the common love of gaming or interest of learning about gaming, uh, all of a sudden we've watched these like really interesting and unique friendships blossom and it's really awesome uh knowing that our uh like we we don't really have any sort of uh, forgiveness policy it's basically one and done you know if you if you prove that you're not uh, a team player and you're not here to share the love of gaming and include everybody regardless of you know beliefs or anything like that uh you know we usually don't deal with it very uh we don't let people hang out when they do stuff like that, we, we make sure we have a safe environment because we don't need anything toxic like that brewing. Um, and it is also, uh, with our employee and with our customers, even it is also, uh, like word of mouth. We make sure people know it. Um, especially people that look like they need to hear it. Like if we have someone who comes in and they're shy, you know, I let them know if they have any issues, they can come talk to me and it'll be one-on-one private, you know, no judgment. And I want to make sure they have a good time while they're in my store that they feel safe and welcome. Um, and I don't want anyone to ever feel discouraged from coming in and hanging out and, you know, doing what we all love in a safe environment. So that's, and we are constantly looking for new ways to enforce that in every event we run, uh, whether it's, you know, our convention or the in-store events, out-of-store events that we are at, you know, even if we go to another event and we're vending or we're participating in running events we still carry that mentality no matter where we're at and uh we're really proud of our customers that also kind of carry that mentality no matter where they go as well so it's so you not only are you speaking to your employees and your customers about it but you also have your own written policy as well as wizards written policy yeah and i mean like it's nothing like you know crazy fancy you know it's just a couple i mean it's probably i think it's four or five uh, little bullet points and they're each about a sentence long um, but it's just sort of like it was I think we wrote that up like literally probably two weeks before they sent out that policy poster but we just kind of wanted something up so that people didn't have an excuse to be like oh well you didn't say it could be a jerk and you know something like that just basically it's something that's like you know that is posted up it's somewhere where you can see it and we just want to make sure that you know you don't, no one thinks they can find wiggle room here. You know, you got to be nice to everybody or you can go find somewhere else to be because when you're at the store, when, when you're at the store, when you're hanging out, like that needs to be, that's a safe space for everybody. And we don't want that to change no matter what. So. Well, that's, that's, that's really, that's really all you can do. And that's just the best way to go about it. I think, uh, Corey, what are, what policies do you have in place? God, I'm going to be the combo breaker here. Um, <laughs> you, like, we got the code of conduct, and I looked at it for what it was. I was like, this is a useful tool. And then I sat down with the staff during the staff meeting, and it was almost unanimous. We went through the list, and everybody was like, no, that's just being a decent human being. That's There's nothing on that list that's like, you should donate to charities. No, it's just don't call people names. Don't physically cost and, and insult people um so we didn't put it up <laughs> I, I know i'm so sorry but we don't have posted rules and regulations for how to be a decent human being to somebody else um you will get one warning um and in three years of 
being open almost. I've only had to ask one person not to come back. Um, now, they were escorted off with police. Um, but the simple fact is, walking through the door of Heroic Gaming, you should know that it is a family game store. And if you don't hold yourself accordingly, there are repercussions. And what I've found is most often, people who have issues will come to me. The open door policy, that has always been the case. But a lot of them, they don't even have to address it because somebody else in the store will be like, hey, this is not the place for that. You can, you know, stop. <laughs> um, and and that was not only from the players uh, and, and the game masters, uh, which is what we refer to, the guys who run all of the games in the store, um, but from the staff as well. And several months ago, we actually had a, a photo that went out, which just a photo of the staff playing a board game. Somebody mentioned how uh, diverse our group was, um, and I'd never even noticed it. But that's where I sort of see the ball starting with inclusivity, um, taking a staff that, by the way, was not picked for anything other than their own merits. They were hired for their own own merits and putting them in a position um you'd be amazed at the skill set that people bring to the table when they're hired for the right reasons and the groups that they inspire to come to the store um the players in the store they all have that you know sort of community aspect to them they all want to participate hang out and have fun um so with the code of conduct things like i said i if it ever becomes a situation where I have to have them posted, I will gladly do so. But at that day, I think I failed more as a store owner <laughs> in the, uh, the theory, the ideal that is heroic gaming. Um, but on a secondary note, this is sort of an anecdotal piece. Uh, heroic gaming almost didn't open because of my feelings toward inclusivity. Uh, um, because anybody who's been in my store has passed the bathroom sign, uh, which has been there since before we opened. Uh, I wanted to make sure that everybody felt included. So we have male, female, you know, non-binary, transgender. It's on the bathroom sign. And it's even ironic to the point because we only have the one bathroom in the 3,000 square foot space. So uh, the county inspector uh, almost didn't give us our business permit because of it and it took us an extra three weeks to open because we fought it and I was like no I'm not taking the sign down I'm not adding a secondary one just because you don't like that iconography I don't really care it's perfectly legal and I'm not going to exclude everybody now it's just a point where I'm just going to stick it to you so um, inclusivity at the store started from before there were bricks and slat wall up. It was it was day one, job one, to make sure that everybody felt welcome. And our employees do an amazing job of exemplifying that every single day. So that's where I feel it comes from. I had not heard that story. Yeah, most people don't hear it, but now I guess everybody will. <laughs> oh, that is true. I'm actually a, a big fan of non-traditional bathroom signs, or also bathrooms that just say, bathroom i'm a big fan of the the one that's just a bunch of fantasy creatures and then says whatever just watch your hands oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, i like that one owl bears and beholders welcome just yeah, yeah yeah i think that one whatever just do your business and wash your hands yeah. how does a beholder wash their hands no 
I, I was wondering that myself, but the mouth went off faster than the brain at that point. So there are some questions that are not meant to be answered. Wash Did you the telekinesis ring? Wash your stocks? I don't know. I got nothing. I got nothing. Quick, let's move along. Let's they, move along. Oh, they use a bidet. No, thank Moving you for that. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about Adventures League. So uh, as, as far as I know, all three of y'all run Adventures League, and I know I've DM'd through both Jesse and Corey before. Um, what? I've what been DM for Steven a few times. Just a few. I'm sorry, say again? I said I might have DM'd for you a few times. Just a few, though. Yeah, just a few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like, how how does Adventures League interact with your store? Is it what? How does what what does it bring to your store? What do you think? I would love to take the head on this one. Um, Go for Adventures it. League is what I use to sell new players on Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition, um, as it was previously as we previously talked about. Um, it's a streamlined rule set that is universally for the most part, by those who play it, agreed upon, or at least followed, um, I should say. People do follow the rules. Um, and it's really easy for me to say, you know, not only can I sell you anything that you need to play this game, you know, books, miniatures, dice, accessories, you name it, we got it. Um, but I can also, you know, if you are looking to play and you can't find a play group or you can't find a dungeon master, or, you know, you and your friend want to play, but you can't find anyone else, you know, we can provide that play experience. And so it's not only are we giving you the materials to play, but we're actually giving you the space to learn and to grow into the game. Um, and Adventures League does a really good job at that because it is really accessible. Anybody can run it as long as you follow the rules and you, you know, do log sheets and you run by the updated, whatever the most updated rule set is. Um, and I don't think if we were doing a homebrew or anything like that, we'd have as much growth and as much success pushing Dungeons and Dragons as we do um, because it is officially, it's the official organized play of Watsi. So, um, you know, having that and having their support, it does help. Um, which we could talk about that. I'm sure we will probably later about their support. Um, but at the very least, uh, having it be the official organized play does, people do enjoy that. And it makes it a lot easier for me to sell people on playing D&D than any other game, any other RPG even that we stock. Um, because a lot of the other RPGs, their organized plays aren't even as good as what we have with AL. So it's really easy for me to get people into the game and excited about playing it and give them an opportunity right off the bat because of AL and because of how easy it is for me as a store owner to organize and run. I think you're right. And um, we'll kind of touch on, you know, Watsi support. Uh, next question. Um, so just get that origins talk that we had, just like get that queued up. Yeah. 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 No, I would say there's definitely, there's definitely things like that. We'll, we will talk about with that, but yeah. Uh, Cause that's it, definitely yeah. important. Right. It is. It is. Um, Corey. Uh, this is one of those moments where I'm going to uh, piggyback off of Jesse's statement and just continue the ball rolling. Um, everything she said is applicable to most stores, I think. Um, the one thing that I will say in our store specifically, um, our, our turnover uh, was something that I wanted to watch, not just for people getting into the game and then going, eh, this isn't for me going elsewhere um, or stopping the game, but turning over into legitimate 
campaigns. Um, we have groups that started at our store on an Adventures League, League table that rolled into a campaign that's two, two and a half years deep now. Um, just meeting every week and having a blast. Uh, you know, actually tonight, uh, uh, Aaron is wrapping up uh, Curse of Strahd, I think. So uh, some pretty really cool stuff um, when it comes to the transition uh, of that launch pad and, and, and getting them into groups because um, in, instead of the, the sort of the sniper scope, which is what we have to do with most games, where it's here's a table that's already been going for three weeks, but don't worry, this guy will teach you what you need to know. Adventures League says, here is the rudimentary, and if you don't like this module, if, if you don't like this table, if you don't like this GM, if you don't like this group of individuals, next week there will be a completely different subset, and you will be able to pick and choose and sort of find where you're comfortable. And what we found is a lot of the people that came in to do that ended up partnering and, and finding a, a miniature group. Um, and, and really finding, okay, this person I really enjoy playing with. Well, this person we both like, and they made their own groups that then started playing at the store, not Adventurers League. So that's been a huge thing on my side, watching those groups develop over time, uh, as that launch pad, so to speak. So it's kind of like speed dating for finding your own home game. I love that. Yes. Uh, Adventurers League is now speed dating at Heroic. No, never mind. Take that back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People, yeah, yeah 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 no that's true uh all right steven adventures league at level up uh yeah adventures league is great um we got it started a while back with uh a very motivated i think then regional coordinator for uh, Dungeons and Dragons? Nah, me and Jay were just lowly local coordinators. Local coordinators, yeah. But, I mean, you guys were the whole reason we got it started, because we, uh, we were lost kids in the woods when it came to uh, Dungeons and Dragons. But uh, you guys came in and um, started running Dungeons and Dragons and doing it Adventures League style, and it's, it's just grown ever since. And I, I super love it for it being just that, like a baseline. Um, of this is this is what your Dungeons and Dragons experience is, and and it's like it's a reliable thing, and you know this is the system in which we you know you can sign up for events. Uh, we use Warhorn.net for people to sign up uh, for events. Oh, God and bless Warhorn. Yeah, yeah, bless. Donate to Warhorn. Papa, Keep it going, guys. Papa bless Warhorn because um, it is an incredibly helpful website. Uh, I've I've only used it myself a few times to actually post games, but that's because uh, Jay makes it very easy for me to just send the information to him, and then they publish it on the Noxal D and D Adventures League Warhorn. So, um, as far as as far as D and D goes at our store, it's very much yeah all Adventures League. Um, it's a very positive thing in the store. We love it. It. Um, it promotes people playing Dungeons and Dragons as released by Wizards of the Coast. Um, I mean, that's pretty much it. We we host almost exclusively uh, Adventures League simply because it's so easy to put together, and we have a great community. And I would I will I will humbly say that that community has been built by the community of Dungeons and Dragons players in Knoxville. Like we we only have the privilege of 
of hosting games here because it's something that goes on in the greater Knoxville area and is much bigger than just our store, which is really cool. All right, I want to put in a little aside. How Steven got started was I took my uh, assertive self to his store because I'm not bossy, I'm just assertive, and I told him we were going to run a game. What day worked? Not can I, but we were. And then he says, okay, uh, Monday seems all right. So we start running a game on Monday, and then we're running, I don't know, a lot of games on Monday, and then we have too many games for Monday. So I'm like, hey, we're going to take another night, and then I'll bring him a vinyl banner, and then before he knows it, we have games like four nights a week there. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. <laughs> because I was I was always looking for ways to fill the space, because you can only host so many Magic the Gathering events. Like, there's only so many nights that somebody can come out and play Magic at your store. And so we were looking for, like, Mondays were tumbleweeds at the store until we got D&D running up. So incredibly thankful for that, for sure. I, just, I, I will. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I just wanted to play a game. <laughs> Thanks, Steven. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you. It definitely worked out. I did want to say that the only reason that we got started at Siege with uh, Adventures League is because similarly when they still had the LC program, uh, Aaron came in and he, yeah, was like, "Do you, is this something you want to do? And we'd only been open for maybe like maybe six weeks or two months at that point. And yeah, we were looking for anything and everything else to add on the schedule. And I was like, yeah, please. So that that program, while it was uh, there, is is the sole reason that we run D and D at the store. I hadn't even ever played it prior to Aaron coming in. So, you know, that was, that was something really cool that I, I that that program put out and I wanted to add on to that because it seems like that they did a lot for a lot of people in a lot of communities and stores. So. Yeah. The, uh, the local coordinator and regional coordinator program when it existed was really a good thing from a, uh, store acquirement An outreach. point of view. Outreach, outreach yes. Yeah. Evangelist. We were evangelist. We did good. Um, yeah, I mean, that kind of... Yeah, let's roll that into our, our next question. So, as a store owner, what do you wish that Wizards of the Coast would do with D&D or just Adventures League specifically in order to make it better for your store specifically it's okay you can take a minute and be selfish what do you want i just gotta know how how long is this podcast because i got like four or five hours um that might be enough time to like scrape the tip of the iceberg here you know what just just pick your your, your number one and maybe number two right now okay i have to i have to think on that for all right all right to, you don't I have to narrow it i'm you, gonna think on it you don't have to go first Corey. you want to go first no pressure oh oh yay okay um now we're going to have a role reversal. Now I'm going to throw out some stuff and you're going to be like, and what he said, but all of these other things. Um, no, I, there's a lot of things that as store owners, our viewpoint, our perspective is different. Um, Watsi's trying to run a business and they're trying to do the best that they can on their end. Um, and sometimes those policies don't exactly align with what the stores need or would want. Um, on my side of it, I will say, without getting too deep into throwing shade, um, I see the level of support that is given to Magic the Gathering. Um, Magic the Gathering is definitely a money maker. 
Um, but the reality is there are more players, at least in my stores and the stores that I know of, uh, for D&D. Um, the books, all the paraphernalia, the fact that they're blending the two now is incredibly unique, magic uh, and D&D. Um, but I, I cannot even begin to describe how lackluster the advertising support the merchandising support the i mean anything and everything i've gotten to the point now where i will go make my own banners to put up in the store um just because i want to be able to support this group of people who are playing in my store and i don't have that option um there's no materials that are provided to um to the extent for God, probably the first six months to a year that we were open, the only thing that I had was, I want to say it was a lich, um, and the Uncle Sam pose going, we want you for Adventures League. It was out of a magazine that I found somewhere. That was the only merchandising, because that's what we had, and that's what we ran with. Um, I mean, now we've got probably an eight-foot by six-foot, you know, Sword Coast poster vinyl up on the wall. Um, but okay. that... That is important, and I think it gets overlooked way too frequently. The Lich, when you bought the starter screen, the first one that came out for 5th edition, the paper, like the, you know, the paper that you throw away, usually? Yep. Folded out into that Lich. Yep, that's the one. It went up on my wall, because it was the only thing that said Adventures League at all. Yeah, Um, we have one at my store, too. It's kind of too good of a piece of advertising to not put up, honestly. Yeah. So getting back to that, I just if if I could say, you know, hey, take a percentage, just a very small percentage. You don't even have to worry about shipping. You guys, Watsi, send us stuff monthly to quarterly at the very least. Just shove a poster or something in there. Put it in the tube. Send it to us with all the other magic promo cards and stuff, which, by the way, would be absolutely insane if we were able to go, hey, by the way, here's an Adventurers League you know, item, it's a promo card for, you know, whatever. You get what I'm saying, something to help sort of bolster that group because customers are observant. They will see what support is being done, especially when there's as much bridge over between those two games of Magic and D&D. There isn't any level of promo. It's Magic gets all the cool stuff. And I think it's sort of unfair and unwarranted, but Anyways, Jesse, now I'm going to throw it to you. Uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, we are going to play this game. Luckily, that means we're going to get six really good points out in this conversation if we're each picking two items, uh, and we're not going to overlap because we're going to agree with everybody else. Um, but, yeah, like the promo items, like you were talking about, to expand on that really quick, like a D20 with the D&D ampersand or the, like, little, little, the little updated AL logo, something like that. Um, the other big thing that I personally would really love to see is um you know we get all this free you know store championships and weekend events and promos for this that and every other magic event it'd be really cool if uh they siphoned a little bit of the money that they do doing that free stuff for magic and uh give stores at the very least send them the pdf copies of the core season adventures um because that way you know in the, st- the adventures themselves, they run anywhere from, you know, I usually see them from $1.99 to $4.99. Um, and if they sent us those adventures, you know, some stores that would make or break whether or not they're able to run D&D. 
Um, and it would also make it a lot more accessible because the other thing is, is it's there's not really a central place where you can go and it's like, here's how you run Adventures League as a new store owner. Um, the process can be a little convoluted, especially if you're not familiar with Dungeons and Dragons at all. Um, and so it's like having that all be like having the, the, the Wizards of the Coast reps be a little bit more well-versed and understand what goes on in Adventures League and how to support new stores trying to do that. Um, you know, that would really help. And yeah, you know, like Corey mentioned, um, just now uh or earlier he was saying how you know we uh we purchase all the modules uh we team up with you know aaron who was our old lc he's still one of our head dms we team up with him and we purchase all the modules and we provide them for our dungeon masters because they're already prepping and doing all this work for us you know it's the least that we can do and it is a necessary expense just as much as you know stocking the newest magic product or stocking the newest D book uh it's just something you have to do um I think, yeah, the other thing I want to touch on is that the I think that the LC and like the regional coordinator positions being brought back in some capacity would be really beneficial. And honestly, before like uh, the last conversation we've been having, I hadn't thought too much on it, but there's a lot of stores like we we just plain old probably wouldn't have ever started D&D. And I can say, you know, I wouldn't have met any of you people in any sort of passing or anything if it wasn't for Dungeons and Dragons. And so that thought kind of freaks me out a little bit. And also it's just such an easy game to sell with things like, you know, like Stranger Things and other pop culture references. Everybody's all of a sudden interested in there's this rejuvenation of D&D and for wizards, wizards could capitalize on that without even blinking an eye, you know, exactly some posters, some promotional D20s, uh, just send us the modules and, Maybe some sort of Central Adventures League, like Game Master PDF, like what to expect and what, what something like that, because they already have a Magic Judge program. I don't really think having like a Dungeons and Dragons Game Master program is really too far a stretch out of that. But you know, I don't know. We 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 uh, like to we train all of our Dungeon Masters. You know, we make sure that they're well versed before they're running tables. But it'd be cool to see a little bit more support from. Wizards of the Coast, because honestly, like the game stores, we, we, I would, I will say we do a lot, but I think honestly, our volunteer game masters do more than anything else. If we didn't have those game masters, we wouldn't be able to run games and to see, you know, wizards pay attention to some of those more dedicated individuals and have, you know, like we were at Game Hole and they were able to give out those really cool uh, water bottles and the beanies to their dedicated DMs and for maybe something along those lines to be available to stores to like really thank their like community leaders and those people that make it so people can come and learn to play and continue to play. Uh, that'd be really cool to see a little bit more from them in that aspect. So. All right. I mean, we got four good things now then. So Steven, you want to add your two to make it a nice half dozen? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll round it out. Uh, so I think, I think my, my big thing, and I, I, I actually got a chance to, I, I met with some Wizards of the Coast reps at a uh, retailer's convention, and I actually asked them, I was like, hey, Magic the Gathering gets a lot of uh, a lot of promotional support. Do you ever think you're going to do that with Dungeons & Dragons again? Because they did every now and then. They would, they used to send out some things. Fourth edition, um, all the things. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they, Fourth they, edition was a different... It was a different beast. That was before yeah. my time. Yeah. But uh, they they told me that they were putting a lot of their advertising dollars or promotional dollars or whatever into Twitch, which has been very successful for them. And and I and like I understand that that's you know by pouring money into that they're they're making they're getting a good return on it. They're getting 
they're making good money on it. Um, my, I, my big thing is that I, I wish they would give us a chance to make Wizards of the Coast more money off of Dungeons and Dragons. And they're doing it a little bit. They're like, they're cranking up the faucet a little bit, you know, the, with the, the special Guilds of Ravnica dice and the special um, Dragon Heist dice and um, the, the Dungeon of the Mad Mage map pack and the Guilds of Ravnica map pack and stuff. Like, they're starting to release more products. Although, side note, I kind of wish they hadn't released all of that all at once because it is kind of hard to get someone hyped on multiple products all at once. But if they if they kind of continued down that line and kind of released more products, whether it be more dice or um, just more things that can help you with Dungeons & Dragons, I know they license out a lot of stuff, and I don't quite agree with them. Like, for example, they license out spell cards. I mean, Wizards of the Coast has the number one trading card game in the world, I'm fairly confident. And they licensed out the rights to make cards that show the monster stats and the spell stats to another I, company. I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah. And so You're absolutely right. When you think and, about it that way, it makes it even more angering when usually that company that does those uh, yeah, never releases anything on time. You can't get them in. And it, so it just boggles my mind because they, I mean, they could have even been greedy about it. I don't think anybody would have batted an eye and put in, you know, monster stats and spells and items and stuff like that into randomized booster packs with art and everything like that. I'm glad they didn't. But so my, my big thing, I think maybe my only one thing, like if to improve Adventures League and they already do it a little bit, I just wish they would do it more. So the, the two things would be more products to sell at, you know, a variety of price points. We've gone to the high extremes with the, the theme Dungeons & Dragons gift set, store edition. You know, cheaper stuff too, 5 and $10 items and, and other kind of things that you can sell to Dungeons & Dragons players that want to support the store. Um, made by Wizards of the Coast, that would be wonderful. And then continued special things that you can only get at a brick-and-mortar location to encourage people to come out and actually experience the game in a store. I think those things would help Adventures League, and it would be awesome. I think we've gotten some really good um, stuff here, and I, you know, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I'm sure Paige, you do too, right? Yes, I've had uh, different variants of these conversations with both Jesse and Corey over the years. Yeah, and I mean, I've pretty much had these conversations with. Um, every store owner I ever talked to in the Southeast region. But, you know, Wizards is doing, you know, the best they can with their business plan and everything. And it's obviously not hurting, you know, AL too much or their or D&D overall. It's doing pretty well. Um, so, oh, I mean, yeah, this no, is doing great. I just this is the golden age of D&D. Yeah, like, no, I've absolutely. been and playing just, a long time and it's never been this good. And these are just our, you know, if, if if I could have, would have, you know, all of that. But, um, all right, so getting to the end of this episode, I got one more question, and it's kind of going to be a two-parter. Um, so the nitty-gritty of what anybody wants to own a game store is going to want to know. What is the hardest part of owning a game store, and what advice do you have for the person who is dreaming of owning their very own game store? 
uh, Stephen, I think I've talked with you about this before, and I know your answer. So let's go ahead and and start with you. All right. What is wait? What what's the what is my answer? Uh, I believe it was don't do it. Oh yes, don't do it. That is that is my answer. It's um, I think I think the uh, one of the most difficult things is just kind of um, the slow realization that owning and running a game store is not as lucrative as everyone makes it out to be, or as that it may appear to be. The profit margins aren't great, and I think I think we mentioned this last time, and I'll mention it again. A great. I think maybe the only book on the industry is called Game Store Retailer, Your Guide to a Middle Class Income um, by Gary L. Ray. And uh, the, I mean, it's very true. I think that is a challenging thing is, um, especially starting out, and you know, once you establish yourself, of course, it gets better. But especially starting out the first five years or so, um, it's, not, it's not incredibly profitable. It's difficult to work long hours. Um, you have to manage a lot of things. You have to wear a lot of different hats. You are the line of ordering and customer service, and you're running the register, and you're, you're kind of doing a little bit of everything, unless you have some kind of huge nest egg, in which case, you know, if you have a ton of money, dump it into something else, you know, invest into something else. It's the money is going to go further for you than, uh, than it would opening a game store. So... Along with that, you know, if you if, if that still hasn't discouraged you, then, you know, you are it's truly a passion. And um, and that's kind of what has to keep you going is is your passion to want to run a game store because it's not always easy and financially, physically, you know, uh, taxing on you. It is it's not always easy. It's not always incredibly profitable. And I think that's probably it's probably the biggest challenge that's faced me personally is just the the realization that like hey this isn't this isn't an incredibly like you don't make a huge amount of money off of this right off the bat um, and sure you know if you're smart and you work hard and you and you do your due diligence and stuff like that you can make a profitable profitable business absolutely but that's it doesn't just fall into your lap. Um, it's not, it's not always easy. Oh, and then you, the other thing is you will pay, play fewer games than you have ever played when you, when you open a game store, the amount of games that you play will, will decrease dramatically until you kind of stabilize your, your vision in your store. All right. Sage words of wisdom there. Um, uh, Corey, uh, we're going to go to you next. What is the hardest part of owning a game store? And what advice do you have for the person who's dreaming of owning their very own game store? Again, uh, because we have very similar lifestyles at the current moment, I think all three of us are going to say, Gary Ray's book, um, you need to, at this very moment, buy that book. It's on Amazon. It's not an expensive book, but I was very astounded because I didn't read that book until two years in and, and I took a highlighter and was like, Oh my God, that's me. That's me. And I ended up highlighting almost every single page in the book. Um, and no, I don't get a kickback. I wish and, I did. Eric, and, just... and, and no, we don't either, but I'll link to the book, uh, to the Amazon page. If anyone wants to buy the book in the show notes. Excellent. Well, the book is incredibly insightful. It's a no holds barred kind of situation. He's going to tell you that, 
you're probably going to set the game store up incorrectly um, and you're going to have to make some tweaks and changes. And if you do it the right way, it, it is a comfortable living eventually, um, but it's incredibly rewarding. And that's the thing that you have to hold on to, because if you don't have a job that is rewarding, you're not going to be very good at it. Um, so in, in this, I would say the hardest part of owning a game store for me was the thing that really wasn't written down anywhere. Um, a lot of game stores fall into the same uh, feelings. It's like, hey, I have all of these games and I have all this knowledge and I have all these friends. And what I should do is have a store where all of these games and all of these friends can get together. And I'm probably going to hire a couple of those friends. Um, I count many people that I know as close personal friends. Good friends don't necessarily make good employees. Um, and that's a hard thing for most people to swallow. They're like, I've known Jim Bob for 20 years. I don't care. Uh, Jim Bob might have been fired from his last job for theft. <laughs> you, you need to pay attention and watch because those friends, however great friends they might be, might not be the best fit for your store. Um, and that's a hard conversation to have. Uh, fortunately enough, I haven't really lost any friends because I was really particular about the hiring process. But it was something that I had to be very careful with because I got the other side of it of, you know, hey, I've known you for X number of years. Why didn't you hire me for this job? And I'm like, I'm, I'm really, really sorry. But I just don't fit you're just not a good fit for the store. Um, it's no knock against that person. It's just, you're not. And I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, we had to go a different direction. Um, if you can take that to heart, uh, and, and maintain those friendships, maintain the incredible amount of work that you have to put in, um, 80 hours a week for your first three years is reasonable. Um, uh, and just know that eventually there's going to be a payoff. If you do it right, you work hard, um, and build those relationships. Uh, the other piece of advice other than the book was probably six months to a, a year before we opened the store. I went to every single game store in my area, um, within probably, uh, 10, 15 miles, I went in, I introduced myself, I shook their hand, I told them what I was doing, and it built up a really good line of communication with those local stores that this industry is somewhat competitive because we're all game players. We all want to win. Um, and that tends to lend itself into a, an adversarial role uh, among stores. Uh, I saw myself very differently. Um, I wanted to have that relationship uh, where I could call up and go, hey, do you have this product? Cool. I'm out. I'm actually going to send this customer to you. Um, no, that didn't take care of my bottom line, but it did take care of the customer. And because I built those relationships with some really cool people like David and Drew, Andy, some really in, interesting people in this area, they were able to flip that back and they've sent me customers as well um, because the pie gets bigger, but it gets bigger very, very slowly. You really have to build those relationships because their customers are your customers. And if you're sitting there arguing and fighting, the only thing you're doing is creating animosity in a community that doesn't really need any more of it. So. 
guess that would be it. I can't even imagine what it must be like to go into another game store and say, hey, I'm going to open up a direct competitor to you. That's a hard conversation to have, I think. It, it was. Um, but it was eye-opening because those individuals would sit down with me and legitimately go, oh, hey, this is something that you need to know. And these are things, because again, it was before the Facebook page for, you know, oh, speaking of which, there's a Facebook page for opening a game store. Um, there's the, you know, the book and all this. Um, I didn't have access to that. Uh, <laughs> one of the best conversations I had was with a guy, I didn't know his store was there. And it was literally across the street from one of the locations we were looking at putting heroic gaming. Yikes. Um, if I hadn't have went to that extra level of going and visiting and, and meeting these stores, I wouldn't have known. And then we would have been literally across the street from each other and it would have destroyed us both potentially. Huh. That is a, that is a quite a cautionary tale. Uh, Huh, interesting. Uh, Jesse, what yes. what do you have for that? Um, what's what's so, the hardest part of owning a game store, and what advice do you have for the starry-eyed person in our audience who is thinking about doing it themselves? So I'm actually going to answer these uh, backwards. I'm going to open up with, here's my piece of advice. Realize that when you open up a game store, you're not just opening up a game store. You're not just going to be selling magic cards and board games and paint and miniatures and sleeves and deck boxes and booster packs, you are going to be creating and sort of helping cultivate a community space. And remember that because that is just something that comes hand in hand with opening up a game store. And you have to make sure that you're ready to make sure that space is welcoming for everybody and is accessible to everybody. That's that's part of your responsibility, in my opinion, of owning a store is cultivating that good space. Um, so realize that you know, there are so many facets to owning a store that it's more than just, you know, getting new games in, hosting the events, you know, talking to the customers about product. There's there's so many more parts to it than that. So just really realize what you're getting into. And I would definitely say the hardest part is uh, you instantly don't have much of a social life anymore <laughs> um, because you're working every Friday, Saturday and Sunday, at least for a while. Um and yeah, it, it does take some getting used to. It's a lot of hard work and a lot of the times you don't feel like there's a payoff, but there are really good days and it does get better. Um, but that's just true with any type of business you would open. It doesn't necessarily have to be a game store. You know, it's a lot of work up front and you just have to try to, you have to strive through it because there is a, you know, a golden dawn after the rainstorm, but it takes some while to get there. So don't be discouraged if you jump in, just realize that, no, even whatever you can imagine, it's going to be 10 times that uh, much work. So just be ready for it and keep trudging through and eventually it'll all come out. But don't give up. <laughs> and the, the hardest part? Uh, the hardest part is definitely, like I said, it's it's the lack of, of social time, of free time. Okay. Um, your social time turns into time at the store. Uh, you know, you're there for, you know, I, I usually work uh, uh, 10 to 12 hour days when I go in. And so it's like a lot of times if I'm working five or six days that week, that is my social life. Talking to those people is it. It's you don't get a lot of time for yourself. So realize, especially if you're somebody that needs more, more time for themselves, um, that 
if you're the owner, you, you have to be there. You're the answer. You're the top of the chain. If someone has a question, you are the one that has to be there. So you don't really, even when you're at home, you always kind of have to be connected to the store. And it's sometimes it's really hard to disconnect from that. So make sure if you're, if you dive into all this, make time for yourself for just a couple hours of quiet, detach, sign off, put the phone away and do something that's, that's separate from the store and just kind of ground yourself. It's, it's very important owning a business period, but specifically a game store, just remember to make time for yourself because it can take over your whole life and it will. Uh, but like I said, it, it is, it is very, uh, gratifying. It is a very, uh, I, I love what I, what I do, but you know, there are ups, there are downs as with everything. So it's just remember to keep moving forward no matter what. Excellent. I think that is, um, it's going to be interesting seeing the feedback on the show because I think a lot of people are going to get their minds blown, actually. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, we've got a lot of a lot of good conversation here and a, a, a lot of good talk, but uh, I don't I don't know that anybody has an hour and a half long commute to listen to this. So, I so it's going to be on the way to work and the way home from work. All right, so I think that's a good place to uh, to wrap it, though, for this episode. So before we sign off, uh, I'd like to make sure everybody knows where y'all are and how to get a hold of you and where your store is and how to find out more information on your store. So if you could give us your Twitter, your social media, and maybe your store website so that uh, we can put it in our show notes. Uh, Corey, why don't you go first? Uh, okay. Uh, Heroic Gaming is in Roswell, Georgia, a little bit north of Atlanta. So if you're ever downtown for uh, Dragon Con, um, I'd say 30-minute drive north, maybe, if you're lucky. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Heroic Gaming LLC. Uh, we have an Instagram, and one day I'll figure out how to use it. <laughs> we also have Twitter. We have our website, heroic-gaming.com. And uh, the store is always available. So if you guys have any questions, you can always call us direct. Um, Google is a thing. So, yeah, we look forward to hearing if you guys have any questions about anything that I've talked about today. Uh, I am verbose and open to anyone. Uh, give us a phone call at the store. Talk to me. Person message through Facebook. I'd be happy to talk to you about just about anything. Excellent. Thank you very much. Jesse, where can our folks find you? Uh, Zeej Games, you can find us at ZeejGames.com, uh, Facebook.com backslash Siege Games. We have a Twitter, we have an Instagram, um, and we also have like a TCG player account we sell on there. So if that's if you're looking for cards, you know, that's sort of all the online places you can find us. Um, you can also find us uh, on Warhorn.net at Zeej Games uh, Weekly Adventures. Uh, you could just type in Zeej Games and we should pull up if you're interested in playing any of our weekly events. Um, and yeah, if you have any questions about anything I've talked about tonight, if you want to know more about our local community, our special events, ZeejCon coming up in March. Um, or if you just want to, if you have more questions about opening a store and what to expect, feel free to reach out to me at uh, Zeej Games uh, Facebook. You can message me directly or you can email us at ZeejGames at gmail.com uh, or come and hang out with us. You know, we're there. Uh, as often as we can be. So feel free to stop by and uh, I can chat with y'all then. And Steven, where can our folks find your, you and your store? 
Uh, you can find me and my store in Knoxville, Tennessee. It is Level Up Games and Hobbies at 9315 Kingston Pike, Knoxville, Tennessee. You can visit us at our website, which is levelupnox.com. And then we also have a Twitter and a, uh, a Twitch page and a YouTube page. And those are all under the uh, name Card Shop Talk. And uh, we do we do a little bit on there, like box openings, and then kind of like the various goings on of a store. So if you want to get a little bit more insight into some of that process, we post you know things that we're doing around the shop and uh, various different tasks and things like that. If that interests you, but yeah, those are the places you can find us. Alrighty, Jenny, where can folks find you on the internet? You can find me as always on Twitter at Jenny Loveday. That's G I N N Y L O V E D A Y. You can find me on Facebook at the same thing. Alright, you can find me on Twitter at Paige Lightman. That's P A I G E L E I T M A N. Or you can go to the Dungeons and Dragons group on Facebook and I'll be right there somewhere. Also, you can find the Roundtable at, uh, at DND Roundtable on Twitter, uh, facebook.com backslash DND Roundtable. Also, you can drop us a line on Gmail at dndroundtable at gmail.com. Thanks, folks. We appreciate you listening, and we'd love it if you'd give us a review on either uh, iTunes or your podcast distributor of choice. Thank you very much. Thank you.